Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by Commitment. 49ers Commitment. Raymond, the big news story on Monday was that the NFL, have 40 over 40 players have opted out of playing in the NFL this season. Completely understandable. No, no qualms with that. But the good news was, the bright side on that is that the 49ers have completely opted in. That was reported by Shanahan and Lynch that no player has actually opted out for the 49ers. How does this make you feel going into what is supposed to be our revenge season? I mean, as a fan, it makes me excited. You know, we're going to have all of our top pieces in place, ready to go. But I think more importantly, from the player perspective, I think it means that I think it, it's a huge vote of confidence for what the Niners, what Niners protocol is going forward in terms of safety, because the league has a bunch of protocols that have been implemented is, you know, to ensure that the players are safe from helmets to jerseys to stadium to staff. So but each team has protocols in place that compound on top of that. So the fact that the entire Niners team has said, yep, we're all in, we're all we're on board, tells me that they feel pretty good about not only their own safety, but the contingency measures in place to, you know, maintain that safety. And more, and I guess from their perspective, again, I'm kind of reading into this, I'm inferring, is that also like they're, they're serious about giving themselves another shot to win a title because, you know, the season's happening. So it's not like it's not happening and, you know, you're, you're opting out and you're waiting for next year. Everyone's going to get a shot. So, you know, if you have a shot, then I think the Niners clearly want to give their best punch. Absolutely. We've got a big episode today for you. The Goldcast is back. We're going to be starting off with some news about the Giants. Nice big weekend. And then that youth kind of came creeping in last night against the Rockies. We're going to talk about that real quick. Then, of course, the biggest story this week, Jordan Reed signing with the 49ers. Huge implications, two tight end sets, three tight end sets. This is obviously a, a big, big move for the 49ers and an exciting, exciting one at that. And then, of course, as we discussed last week, the rumblings that the George Kittle contract is about money and that they are not really getting – they're having trouble finding a uh, – an agreed upon price. And so we're going to talk about that. The Kittle contract watch continues on the Goldcast. This has been happening for several weeks now, and it goes. But first, of course, the intro. Your professor of fanalism, he's in the building. The greatest fanalist is in the game. I am here too. Class is in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Goldcast. <laughs> Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa I, baby. Boom! All right, Ray. Here we go. Let's get into it. Let's start with our boys in the San Francisco Giants. First of all, pretty big weekend against the Rangers. The first two games, I mean, just... What an excellent showing from these kids. These kids that pretty much everyone has left for dead. Understandable. 17 new starters on opening day. But these guys have really shown some moxie. They've shown some fight. They got some dog in them. Name the metaphor that you want. 
but these guys have got a little bit of fight to them. And what's different, this is definitely not your granddaddy's giants. This is not your dynasty's giants. There's an offense here that we did not have before, and that's pretty exciting. So let's first talk about their weekend, and then we'll we'll go into the Rockies game because the Rockies game was a little rough and just a classic example of their youth. But let's start there with the first of all, just beating the Rangers, winning the series. They lost, they've lost two in a row, but they took the series two to one against the Rangers over the weekend. Yeah, I think uh, the fact is that the Giants still own the Rangers, despite you know all the new faces on the roster. Uh, there was a lot of offense, which was lacking in the previous series. So that was nice to see. Nice to see the backs, the bats wake up. We know that we've got some, you know, new some some veteran bats that are back in the lineup too. So that always helps a team to you know get some gel, get some rejuvenation going. So I think that was great to see. They slipped up in the third game, but I think uh, overall, you know, you got to feel pretty good. You know, it's so weird to see interleague play so early, but um, but it was still great to see the Giants, you know, kind of bounce back. And, you know, take a series in dominant fashion versus the torture fashion that we often get. Um, so uh, you you teams you win game wins like this really help boost morale, get the confidence going, get a rhythm going, start to build momentum towards, you know, the next series and starting to help help these players build the confidence to get into their stride and find their momentum and to really start to add and contribute to the team, you know, in ways that actually results in wins. So I thought it was good to see overall. Yeah, definitely a strong showing. And yesterday, going up against the 6-2 and two Colorado Rockies, they're literally, it's only the fifth time in season history they've had this good of a start. One of the number one teams in baseball. This was a huge game, a huge test for the Giants. And the Giants were up up in the six and then the six is really when things came apart and it we still had a chance we were up four three and then alex dickerson's huge error in the outfield just coughing up the ball allowed the rockies to not only tie the game but then take the lead and then then in the ninth you saw the giants come back alive you know, we 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 get to six seven with the go ahead run at the plate, and we just could not close it out. Giants lose seven to six, and really lose a game that we could have won. That I really feel truly, the Rockies were lucky to escape with that win because had we had we not committed those errors and were able to maintain the lead, we probably would have edged them out right there in the ninth and won the game. And uh, I guess this kind of goes back to the youth of the Giants. But what did you see out of yesterday? A frustrating loss, but also to me, uh, something you probably could expect going forward, just given the age and the youth of the Giants. Uh, Just, you know, uh, I saw a team that's young and still, you know, trying to that has moxie, that has scrap, but is obviously going to face moments when they can't you know, close out properly. So, and then this is certainly a game that, that was like that where they got themselves in a hole, were able to climb almost back out of the hole, but just came up short at the very end. So I, I'd rather see the, a 7-6 loss than a 7-1 loss. 
So, so to, to me, that's kind of the perspective I take out of it. I don't think it's a moral victory by any stretch, but I think the fact that they fought back and climbed back, that's something that if they are able to do that, as they've done a couple other games, close losses like this, you know, that eventually will transfer over. You start, you get losses that, I mean, just like the Niners, the Niners had how many losses that they lost by, you know, one possession or a field goal or less, you know, and now then that all of a sudden that that momentum shifted in the other direction where we started to win. We started to close out. So the Giants are in a, you know, baseball is obviously different. It's still really early in a season of, of what's going to be a very short season or who knows might be shorter depending on if, if the health continues to get compromised the way it has been. Um, it seems, seems like there's a lot of, a lot of loose, loose ends happening in baseball right now. So I'm not sure about the future. But, you know, as, as, since as the games are still happening, we're still going to talk about them until they stop. So, you know, what we saw yesterday was, you know, you know, it was an unfortunate short, just really short loss, but, you know, still still close. And if they're able to keep that kind of moxie together, then that's going to transfer to wins. You know, they've won a couple one run games, too. So they're 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 not losing all of these close contests. But, uh, you know, you you win some, you lose some. But uh, hopefully the Giants are able to kind of find their stride to the point where they win more games than they lose and they're able to actually qualify for the tournament because that's obviously what we all, we, we all want to see. Yeah, I'll say this when it comes to the Giants. Uh, when, when you've got a team this young, when you've got a team that everyone kind of expects nothing out of, and instead of doing that, they've actually played pretty tough and played pretty strong, the, the, the thing that I like about, most about this Giants is like, just show me you care. Show me you care for nine innings. Show me that you really want to win. You don't have to win every game, but show me that you want to to that you're at least in the fight and that you care. And that's what I like that I see out of this out of this Giants team is that they care. They go in there. They give you nine innings of baseball. They don't give up. Sometimes they get their asses kicked. Sometimes they kick other other teams' asses. And then there's other games where they're just right in it and 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 it can go anyway. You know, but the thing that I like about this team is that they don't give up and die, and they show me that they care. They're fighting for it. They have passion. Like you said, they got scrapped. They got moxie. They got dog. You use that. Whatever adjective you want to use. Either way, this team is in every single game they play, and I believe watching them every time that we have a chance to win. And that's all I really ask as a fan. That's all you can ask out of, as a fan for from a Giants team this young. Um, it'd be great to see them if they went to the playoffs. That'd be awesome. Uh, I just don't want fourth place. I'll take third. I'll take a. I'll take a scrappy third place Giants team that's fighting and and that you know has a has potential. Then a fourteenth place team that just has absolutely no hope. You know, and and that's I'll take third at the at the least. Second second a second seed uh, automatic playoff spot would be great just to see them pop in. You know, it's way too early, but at the same time we're already done with you know one sixth of the season, so it's gonna come a lot faster than we're used to when it comes to baseball. Yeah, you know, so. But uh, uh, that's that's kind of like best case scenario, second place, and we end up in the playoffs. Worst case scenario, let's see a scrappy third place. I'll take a scrappy third place this year. I've got you know I've got time. I've got patience. I really am very impressed with what Farhan uh, Zaredi's already done. I think he's done a great job uh, with putting together this team, and and so far, good you know solid start for for a team with 17 new starters. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, they're they're what uh, five and four, or five and five, something like that. So they're they're hanging in there. That's what you want to see. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to some bigger, more positive news. <laughs> Man, Jordan Reed. Let me move over. 
They always get my fingers mixed up. The man, the myth right here. Not the myth, but Jordan Reed yep. signs with the 49ers uh, coming from the Washington professional football team, which on a side note, I've often for mo- most of these years called them the Washington professional football team. And it's funny that now they are the literally <laughs> the Washington football team. <laughs> That's what a lot of people have called them. And as a way to avoid, you know, the derogatory slur that is their previous name. I just find it funny that that has actually become their name. They are the Washington football team for the year. But, uh, Raymond, let's talk about Jordan Reed. For those who are not as familiar, first of all, what do you think about this signing? I'm excited. I think this actually helps take some pressure off George Kittle and allows them to expand that side of the offense. What do you think about the Jordan Reed signing? I think it's 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 a win-win. I mean, it's you're you're betting low on a player that can play really high. So if if he turn when he's healthy, he's an elite tight end. That's how other people have described him. That's how his numbers reflect. He's not like top 5 or top 3, but he's definitely like a top 15 tight end. You know, his 2015 and 2016 were his last two best seasons. He's been unfortunately marred with a lot of injury so that's been the one drawback is for some reason he's just a little bit on the fragile side but and you know he does share some overlap with Kyle Shanahan's tenure in Washington during his first season I think Kyle Shanahan's last season was Jordan Reed's first season so there is a little bit of familiarity there Kyle Shanahan knows what skill set Jordan Reed brings to the table you know he can catch he can block he can run he's good uh, you know, he had in 2015, he had 952 yards and 11 touchdowns. Surprisingly, didn't make the Pro Bowl that year. I'm not sure who the other tight ends must have been doing amazing for some reason. But the next year he did make the Pro Bowl. He caught 66 balls for 686 yards and six touchdowns and made the Pro Bowl off of those stats. So try explaining that one to me. This guy should easily have a couple Pro Bowl appearances on his resume. But again, uh, never played a full season in his entire career. So that's unfortunate. Still relatively young. He's under 30, so that's good. And the Niners got him for a relatively cheap amount of money. And it's it's incentive-based, meaning that if he's able to perform, whether that be X amount of receptions, um, X amount of touchdowns, we know that X amount of games being played is a big part of that too. That was uh, that was also in Richard Sherman's deal as well. We know that you know when when health is a concern, you just being able to show up on game day in uniform, regardless of what degree you play, is a big deal, and that will translate to money in his pocket. So there's a lot of incentive for him to obviously perform well, and that we know that when he is on, he's on very well, and he is a great complement to Dwelly and Kittle. Obviously, Kittle is going to be the number one piece, uh, the the number one cog of the tight end group. But having a Jordan Reed there is not a bad thing by any stretch. I mean, this is this is an easy one. You you pay you got him for cheap, and if he performs, you're gonna you're gonna we're gonna the team's gonna reap amazing benefits, especially in a Kyle Shanahan system. Well, also right now, depth is really important. Depth is very, very important going into this season. It's going to be more important than we've ever seen before. You've got over 40 players that have already opted out. I'm sure there there are more dominoes that will fall between now and September. And, of course, we have the looming constant threat of COVID. Um, and, and, and while, for the most part, players have been able to manage COVID very fine, very, very well, we have also seen that there are some players who have pre-consisting 
pre-existing conditions. We've seen this in the MLB that have been affected by COVID and affected greatly. That it has had it has had a uh, a huge de- detrimental um, impact on their health. So this is a really this is a very sensitive season. This is a very I would say probably very scary season for some players. And I think that depth is important in order to try to maintain some semblance of consistency especially if players go down i think it is well within reason and it has to be expected that players will go down this year right chunks of teams may go down we saw 14 players from the marlins and that's not even a contact sport they're basically all you know 10 15 30 feet away at all times and we saw 14 players go down so i think that depth depth at key positions is important to try and retain continuity in the eventuality this will happen is it going to happen to the 49ers i don't know but in the eventuality that sections of your team will be impacted by covid luck hopefully it doesn't happen to the 49ers honestly i hope it doesn't happen to any team i hope all the players are able to play and make their money and we have a great season but it's not i think it's realistic to assume that that isn't going to happen right and as you said the 49ers are trying to take great strides great lengths to ensure that the consistency and continuity of the level of play is there in the in the event that something happens and that I think this is really what Jordan Reed provides as I've mentioned last season and mentioned before veteran leadership veteran talent veteran expertise is really important especially when you have still a team that's fairly young it's got a lot of young guys on it and so adding a little bit more depth to that to that position which is already in my opinion a pretty loaded position the rich just get richer and there's nothing wrong with that absolutely and the one great thing about the Niners squad you know with the exception of the few players that we lost in this offseason is that when Niners players go down you know, the amount of beats that are skipped are pretty diminutive and the Niners are able to maintain a pretty high level of play even when they're missing key cogs. Remember, George Kittle missed games last season. Kyle Juszczyk missed games last season. D. Ford missed a lot of games last year. That was mainly just to preserve him, but we know that when his leg was aggravating him, his knee, um, he wasn't in the lineup for some big games. We know that uh, at one point, uh, Quan Alexander missed uh, nearly half the season with his injury before coming back for the playoffs. Uh, the secondary was banged up. Uh, our safeties were banged up, uh, not necessarily uh, the glass cannon. Uh, and Jimmy Ward, he did well, but uh, Jaquaski Tart was injured for a, a number of games. We um, so the Niners were able to keep pace. You know, there there was offsetting pieces that were able to help maintain the squad. We know that the defensive end is a point that's lacking some depth right now, not just with protection from COVID, but also just regular depth. You know, we have D Ford, Nick Bosa, and uh, Ronald Blair's coming back. But remember, Ronald Blair's coming back from an ACL injury. So right now, the Niners are looking to fill some depth into that position too. I know they're taking a look at veteran edge rushers right now. We know they're looking at Ezekiel Ansah and Dion Jordan, uh, both uh, first-round picks from 2013. So I'm curious to see how they will work out. They've, uh, they've both had um, some kind of highs and lows throughout their career. I know that, um, which we call it. Uh, we also have Kerry Hyder, who the 49ers signed as a free agent in the off season, and he's the only other veteran pass rusher on the team. He had eight sacks with the Lions in 2016 while he was working with the current defensive line coach Chris Kosarek. So there is some familiarity there. We know that Chris Kosarek, wherever he goes, he tends to make, 
you know, average players into great defensive linemen. So that's a good thing. So maybe Kerry will be able to seize that production in his uh, limited playing time with us. Don't know yet. We won't know until the beginning. But as far as Deion Jordan goes, he was number three overall pick uh, for the Dolphins in 2013. Um, he's had off the field issues. So a little bit of, you know, an un, uh, uncharacteristic pick for the Niners, although they have worked with players that have had issues before and they've been able to maintain discipline and stay on the straight and narrow with our team. So hopefully that, uh, that transfers over because it's a different atmosphere and environment in San Francisco. So, and Jordan obviously is going to be exposed to that. He didn't play in 2015 or 2016 after a third violation of the NFL's performance enhancing substance policy. So at least it wasn't something like breaking the law. He was just breaking NFL rules. So that was, I guess, there's some positive to that. But the <laughs> Dolphins released him in 2017 and then he signed with the Seahawks. And then he was suspended for 10 weeks last season for using Adderall. Um, now Adderall is far from far from the end of the world. I mean, yes. I'd, I'd rather that that than it's like, oh, it's a misdemeanor, it's a felony charge. Oh, you know, he 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 he, you know, hit and run or whatever. You know, name the crazy thing players do. Right. That, you know, there, there's been many. And Adderall is actually a common, you know, pharmaceutical drug that is used by a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. So who knows why he was using it? But um, in 50 career games, he's only got ten and a half sacks, so not a whole lot of production there. But again, you're coming to a Pro Bowl group with Pro Bowl coaching. So that level of play, I expect it to go up. He played with the Raiders last year, only had two sacks. And uh, I think, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. You know, we'll have to wait and see on these guys and see what they'll do. Um, I don't know. I Here's mean, a question for you. Sure. Here's a question for you. Do you think we signed Jadavion Clowney? I don't know. I mean, we're looking at these two guys. And we're looking at him, too. You know, and... Clowney might have other offers from other teams that that might be what's delaying any kind of you know news about him and the Niners creating a relationship this season that, that's the well, only thing it seems thing like that he wants to come of. in at a really high price that's also the problem and the point is he didn't have the production or the health to merit that price you know I think he did initially when he went to Seattle but going forward there's some question there I don't think he's necessarily means that he falls to the to the bottom of the league average of that position I think he's somewhere in the middle um, because he is an elite player, he's he's really young. But this is someone who we know that plays a lot better when he has complementary pieces around him versus carrying the load and being the lead dog, so to speak. When he was in Houston, he was complimented by J.J. Watt, one of the greatest defensive pass rushers of all time. So he had very productive seasons because they had to uh, opposing offenses had to account for another elite pass rusher. So it left it opened up opportunities for him in Seattle. He was the only bad dog on that team. So the teams just had to focus on him, take him out of the equation, and there really wasn't much of a threat after that. So coming to the Niners, you have two, three, four threats going on. So someone like Clowney would thrive in that system because, again, this is a player. He's not a, he's not someone who can carry. There's carriers in the league. There's teams, players that carry their position or carry the, the group of their position. Nick Bosa is a carrier. D. Ford, when he's healthy, he's a carrier. Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo is a carrier. Uh, Richard Sherman is a carrier. So, but then there's other pieces that 
play well alongside those types, you know, supporting cast players, you know, that, that, that thrive and play well, Eric Armstead. And that's, that's a, that's a really important position too. Like there's nothing, there's guys that can't thrive regardless of what's happening and guys who can, guys who can really thrive off of the carriers, off of the main pieces. Those are really important players and are essential to the success of your team. Right. And so, you know, there's plenty of, it doesn't mean that these are bad players. They're just players that with different skill sets. Colin Kaepernick was not a carrier. There were times he looked like one, but we know that when the talent of the team depleted, Colin Kaepernick's play depleted because he didn't have complementary pieces around him. He typically pays, plays better when he has better pieces around him. So, And that's not a bad thing. It's not a knock. It's just a style of play. It's just a skill set that we're pointing out here. And that's, that's kind of what I see out of some of these guys. So, you know, if Clowney's that type of player, in my opinion, based on what I've seen. So uh, I think if he were to come to the Niners, he would play very well. But I, he's obviously going to go where the money is, and that might not be on our team because we're kind of strapped for cash right now. And the, the remaining left in the pool, in the pot, so to speak, is we know is go- needs to go to George Kittle. Mm-hmm. Well, Raymond, talk about a clean transition. Let's talk about my man, George Kittle. So <laughs> once again, in the same topic, <laughs> every time the George Kittle contract watch continues here on the gold cast. That was a lot of hard C sounds. The George Kittle contract continues on the gold cast. Say that five times fast. All right, Raymond. So our boy, George Kittle, we're now hearing the rumblings and you, you had predicted this. That was something you had already assumed. You would assumed you had said you were like, you know, I think this contract, I think it's about money. I think this is why we haven't heard anything. I mean, it always is. I mean, I don't need a crystal ball for that. But, I mean, if you're paying attention and you've seen these types of, you know, uh, happenings in the league, more often than not, it's coming down to dollars. You know, it's just how many dollars. You know, we all know what George wants, and we don't mean to beat a dead horse, but it hasn't happened yet, and he's clearly one of the most talented players in the entire league. He's certainly the best at his position. And but the fact is, this hasn't gotten done yet. And we think that yeah, I think it's very clear that Kittle and his agent have one expectation and the Niners have another. But they want to get it done. So they want to find there's uh, there's always a middle ground. In my opinion, there's always a middle ground to a degree. Some people hold out and say and, you know, and get their money. But uh, I don't necessarily see that happening. That's not George. He's he's said that he's not going to opt out or hold out or do anything of that nature because he wants to play. He's a madman, and he's going to get in there and get suited up and and be ready to play for game one. But I think he's also you know sees his value as being more of a tight end. And I would say I would agree with him. Yes, it is more of a tight end. But he's about. 60 70 percent tight end and about 30 percent wide receiver just so happens that when he has the ball he's extraordinarily dynamic and makes lots and lots of plays so it's within reason to believe it's within reason to agree with his position too but at the same time you know uh again i think the middle ground it's somewhere between 15 million and 20 million is where he's going to land but i don't think it's going to be anything less than that does this contract get settled before the start of the season I mean, that's the goal, right? I would like to think so. I don't think something like that, something like that is not going to distract George Kittle one way or another because he's just a, a different beast. He's a different mindset. Something like that is not going to eke at him. He's just going to, you know, he's going to switch gears like a light switch and just focus on football. 
But my hope is that this gets done. I'm not sure if it will, but my hope is. Kyle Shanahan said he feels confident about it, and it's not something he's worried about. When they had the press conference for the opening of training camp, John Lynch uh, said the same thing, just echoed the same thing and kind of passed it on to Kyle Shanahan, who then you know vo- voiced his confidence in the situation. So in other words, it's just a matter of time. Is it going to be sooner or is it going to be later? That's what it's coming down to. At least that's the impression that was given to us with you know the the only tidbits of details that we have. The George Kittle contract watch continues on the gold cast. (laughs) We will continue that tongue twister until it gets done. Raymond, solid episode. We've got three more games this week against the Rockies. And, of course, the uh, 49ers, you know, basic training camp, all the training stuff has begun. So we are moving steadily along and uh, hopefully we get we get we get um football in about a, a little over a month uh so i'm very excited I, i'm i'm really excited that the 49ers have all opted in this is this is huge this uh this 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 revenge season seems to be taken it's it's being taken really serious by this team and i think of two teams the two biggest revenge seasons that i can think of in the last 10 years and that was the san antonio spurs after they lost to the cleveland cavaliers in 2013 coming back winning 2014 by the largest margin of victory ever in, a, in an nba final series and then i can think to the kansas city royals who coincidentally lost to our San Francisco Giants in 2014 in one of the greatest World Series ever ever recorded, one of the best Game 7s ever done, one of the greatest pitcher performances ever done in Madison Bumgarner. They come back in 2015 and seek their revenge. Well, guess what? Now we have lost to Kansas City and in 2019, and I'm hoping that this 2020 season the 49ers can get their revenge and make it happen. And it does feel like there is a bit of that revenge season factor coming in. Can we do it? We've seen it happen in basketball. We've seen it happen in baseball. Can the 49ers do it? Uh, We will see. Uh, Any final thoughts, Ray, before we go? Just that uh, let's get Kittle done because that's really the last thing remaining. So I know a lot of fans are concerned about that. I wouldn't necessarily be super concerned. But um, once it gets done, I think we can all relax a little bit more and just kind of focus on the season and see how it plays out. You know, we got to see how basketball seems to be doing okay. MLB seems to be struggling with health, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how the NFL um, holds up. We will see. We'll be back very soon, a little bit later, with some more Goldcast news, more Bay Area sports, and so concludes another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Salisa I, baby. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same gold cast time, same gold cast channel. This is, this is the gold cast.